Uh, This morning's uh, sermon text is from the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And uh, that's, again, it's printed in your bulletin, so you can read along with me. If you have a copy of God's Word in some other form, you can uh, follow along in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And so I invite you to to read with me and and, and listen carefully, pay attention, uh, because this is the Word of God. And they came to Jericho. And he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Uh, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let me pray. Our God, uh, we we, we would be utterly blind. Um, if it weren't for you. Father, we need your help for us to see because you created the light and you sent your son Jesus into the world to be the light of the world for us. Uh, Jesus, we need you to help us see because you created the light and you are the light of the world who came into the world to help us see. And Holy Spirit, we need you to see because you created the light and you show us, you bring us to the light of the world, Jesus. You, you give us faith in him. You help us to see. So Holy Spirit, help us to see this morning. And triune God, uh, help us to see. We need to be able to see. And we need you to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I remember uh, growing up, one of the uh, relatives in my extended family that left a, an imprint, a, a, a mark on my memory, is my great-uncle Wallace. Now, uh, my uncle Wallace died when I was young, probably six or seven. Um, but one of the reasons why he stands out is because he was a blind man. Uh, I can't remember why, but earlier, early on in his life, there was some kind of accident, and he lost his sight and so uh, for, for many years before I was born and all the years that I knew him, he was a blind old man. And um, I, I also remember Uncle Wallace because I was afraid of him. This, this blind old man was fearful to me. Uh, not because he was particularly harsh or anything like that. He was probably one of the gentlest old men I had in my life at that time. Um, but it's more that I didn't understand him. I didn't, and I wasn't able to identify with the old blind man. 
Why were his eyes closed all the time? Why didn't he look at me when he talked with me? Why did he need someone to hold his hand and help him along and to, to do the simplest of tasks? Why is he so different? Why is he so strange? Uh, and, and, and I think, you know, granted I was a little kid, but I, I made the assumption that this old man, that for me to actually relate to him, to talk to him, to, uh, to respond to him, it, it wouldn't be worth that fearful experience to get any perspective that he might be able to add to my life. And so I was very shy around him. I didn't talk to him. I sort of ignored him most of the time. But I, I remember after he died, hearing other people that knew him, um, how they loved to sit and listen to him talk about his life, which is really interesting, right? Because this blind man had a perspective. The blind man had a vision on life, a way to see the world that other people that could see were not able to see, and so they needed to rely on him to be able to see it. And that brings us to Bartimaeus. This blind man uh, that we probably would have just walked right by like everyone else. And he sees something. He sees maybe the most important thing that we need to see. And he sees it better than we can see it. And so we need to learn from him this morning. Uh, the point of the sermon, uh, to make it as clear as I can make it, is be like Bartimaeus. Be like Bartimaeus in four key ways. One, see your blindness. Two, see through your blindness. Three, be seen in your blindness. And four, walk in the light. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Seeing your blindness, seeing through your blindness, seen in your blindness, and walking in the light. So first of all, see your blindness. Seeing your blindness. This passage is about Jesus healing a blind man, but it's also about the faith of the blind man. As I said before, the spiritual vision of the blind man, that he could see something in Jesus precisely because he was blind, that everyone else who could see was not able to see in Jesus. And ironically, it's especially Jesus' closest followers that needed to learn that lesson. Uh, the, the scene takes place on the outskirts of Jericho, we're told, as Jesus with his disciples are about to make the, the long journey up to Jerusalem. Uh, so from Jericho to Jerusalem, it's a strenuous one-day walk uphill the whole way. There's no place to stop in between, so you're not staying overnight. You have to do this walk in a single day. But it's right before Passover, and they're with a bunch of pilgrims going, and so there's a large crowd and at this point, uh, Jesus is well known in the area. And, and the crowd is energized by Jesus' presence. You can almost feel this in the text. Uh, they, they know that Jesus is here. Some of them, many of them, are probably Jesus' followers. They would self-identify as his disciples. And so they are excited to be going up to this Passover this year because Jesus is going to be with them. Uh, also, the, the, the narrative of Mark's gospel has been working towards this climactic moment for a while where Jesus is about to go to Jerusalem and do something really significant. And so it's strange that Mark stops to tell this story about a blind man begging at the side of the road. But it's not just Mark. Matthew and Luke also tell this story 
about Bartimaeus. And, and it's also interesting that the order in which they tell the story is the exact same. All three of those Gospels put the encounter with Bartimaeus directly before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but also directly after a rather embarrassing encounter that Jesus' disciples have with him. Uh, maybe, maybe you're familiar with this, and, and you can rewind to verse 45 in, in Mark 10 uh, to see where James and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, come up to him with a selfish agenda, and, and in a clever way, they go to Jesus, and, and, and they have something that they want from him. And Jesus asks this very important question, what do you want me to do for you, James and John? And listen to what they say. They say, Jesus, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Now, pause for a moment. Think about all the assumptions that go into that answer to Jesus' question. Uh, Jesus just asked them, I can do anything for you. They should know that by now. What would you like me to do for you? And, And their response is not instinctively to think about everything that they lack, everything that they need, everything they need forgiveness for, but it's to think about everything that they already have, all of the ways that they're already pretty great. Their response is basically, you know what, Jesus, we're good. We actually think that we have a lot we could offer this new kingdom of yours, so you better put us at a place of authority. And you know what, whenever you want to take a day off, we can take a seat in, 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 in the big seat. And, and we can lead this thing for you whenever you're getting tired. Keep us by your side, Jesus. We'll, we'll help you. Absent is any inclination that they need to change, that they need to be forgiven of anything, or that Jesus has to remake them in any way, change them in any way, in order for them to be fit to even serve him in the smallest ways. You know what that is? That's pride. That's a glaring lack of self-awareness. That is blindness to its core. So how do we answer Jesus' question? Jesus asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Is your answer, give me more of what I already have? Reward me for the good things that I've done? Is your answer, you know what, I've got a pretty good life right now. Uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm not in abject poverty I'm a pretty good person. I think I'm pretty good. Just give me more of that. Give me more of what I already have. And, 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 and protect the things that I've built in my life. You know, you know just, just protect my family. Protect the good things I have going for me. And, and we'll be good, Jesus. We'll just keep on moving right along. You know, if, if you have a self-inclination to be honored for yourself, to, to have greatness in yourself rewarded, that's actually blindness. But it's the automatic assumption that we all have, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's ironic because the assumption that we are okay, it, it leads us to be blind not only to the ways that we might suffer and be sinful, but to the suffering of others. It, because we assume that we're not like them. You know, actually, the day before I preached this sermon for the very first time, I was uh, making a quick trip to Whole Foods, um, and there was a woman outside the door holding up a sign, um, like I've seen many times before, asking for help. 
And I figured, you know what, I'm a pastor, I'm a good person, I'm going to help this woman. Um, so I, I stopped and said, hi, my name is Johnny, what's your name? Her name is Maria. And she needed help getting baby formula for her infant son. She recently lost her job, and he's actually struggling to, to digest milk, and, and, and he needs a special kind of formula, uh, and she needed help. And I was able to uh, talk with her a little bit, pray with her, and, and help her get what she needed. And it was a privilege to be able to help her, and I'm glad that I did. But driving away, I realized, uh, largely because I have been thinking about this stuff for this sermon, I realized that as I was helping her, I, I, in, in my mind I was thinking of myself as the one who had it put together, condescending to help this poor woman who is not like me rather than seeing myself as being just like her, rather than identifying with her in her suffering and thinking, wow, it's only by the grace of God that I'm not exactly in her position. And it's ironic because I have recently also just had a, a baby boy born to my family. And so it, it's, it's, it's blind arrogance to think that the reason that my child is not struggling to digest food is because of anything in me. But those are the assumptions that... I make. See, the first thing that we need to learn from Bartimaeus is that he has not constructed his identity in any way that depends on his own knowledge or his own goodness or anything that he can offer Jesus or his own honor. He knows that he is lost and blind and weak, and he comes to Jesus fully, uh, just living out of the fact that he is in absolute need. But he is honored by the gospel writer for that. Because he can see. It's very healthy to know where you're not okay, uh, where, where you are suffering, where, where, where you have sinned. Because that puts you in a place where you can ask for help. Uh, definitely go to God often asking for help. But in, even in a community like a church, um, it's, that's a great place to bring your needs it's, it's, it's how, as a church, we, we can grow in being a place that meets each other's needs if we're open in the first place with the fact that we are very needy. So we need to see our blindness. Secondly, we need to see through our blindness. Seeing through our blindness. Uh, by that, I basically mean faith. Faith is seeing through your blindness. First of all, recognizing that you have great need, but then also believing that there is something or someone outside of yourself who's able to meet it. And for the Christian, just like for Bartimaeus, Jesus is that someone who is able to meet your greatest need and transform it into something uh, resembling new life. And the reason why Bartimaeus is on the road to new sight the reason why he can see is because Jesus is up the road coming his way and he's in the perfect position to see him. And, and from the very first time Bartimaeus is mentioned in the passage, his faith is absolutely beautiful. So the, the crowd is buzzing. And Bartimaeus by now, he, he knows the difference between different kinds of crowds. He knows a lethargic crowd and a buzzing crowd. And he hears that the reason why this crowd is particularly energized today is because Jesus is in the crowd. Jesus of Nazareth. And, and it, it racks my mind how Bartimaeus knows anything about Jesus. It's, there's almost zero chance he's heard 
firsthand teaching from Jesus at this point. He's probably only heard rumors about him, second, third, fourth, or tenth hand accounts of what he's done or his words. But somehow there is in this pitiful man enough faith to realize that this is the one person from whom I can receive the mercy of God. And so seemingly out of nowhere, he cries out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now that title, Son of David, very rarely uh, up, up, up to this point in the book of Mark has anyone called Jesus that. It's basically equivalent to Bartimaeus saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And, and, and he's, he's too blind to have any level of cynicism. Uh, he, he totally hitches his wagon to Jesus. He says, have mercy on me. And it's so amazing. He wasn't there to hear Jesus tell the disciples a few, uh, a few verses earlier that he came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't hear that from Jesus' words, even though many others did. But much more than they did, Bartimaeus believes it. And in that way, he's the only one in the crowd. The blind man is the only one in the crowd that sees Jesus. It's astounding. Now, that creates a social isolation, doesn't it? The crowd wants to shut him up. He's, he's, he doesn't fit. Uh, he, he's a fly in the ointment for them. You know, they're, most of them probably, like the disciples, following Jesus to ride his coattails to get some level of glory that they didn't have before. They're here for themselves. They're here to see power and strength and glory, uh, not weakness. Plus, cultural uh, convention at the time would say that a, a respected rabbi would not deal with uh, such riffraff as this blind man. So they try to shut him up. Basically saying, hey, blind guy, uh, Jesus is not here for you. Jesus is not here for you. And it makes me think about the various kinds of people that we might come across that are obviously weak, obviously sinful, uh, obviously not well put together like us. Um, Do we have that response in our hearts towards them? Saying, Jesus is not here for them. Jesus is here for people like me, not for people like them. Are we like that at all? Are we like the crowd? If so... Again, we're blind. But Bartimaeus leans into his weakness. Because sight is, being, uh, is, 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 is to be able to see your weakness and to be moved by the presence of Jesus to call out to him. And then when we see that happening, sight is to see beauty in that. Not, uh, n- not inconvenience, not disrespectability even though it's a pitiful thing to see. Bartimaeus, his move here, it's not poetic or, 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 or shrewd. It's not subtle in any way. He doesn't come with the best of himself. He's a poor man. He hasn't shaved or bathed in days, maybe weeks. He's wearing rags and shouting at the top of his lungs for a local celebrity to just notice him. But when that local celebrity happens to be the Son of God, That's a beautiful thing. To God, that is a beautiful thing. I mentioned that I recently had a newborn son. Yesterday marked uh, seven weeks since he was born, and so I'm seven weeks removed from the moment of hearing his first cry. 
And for those of you who are parents, uh, I can tell a, a decent number of you, large number of you are parents. You've probably had that same, and you probably remember that moment as well, when you heard your baby cry for the first time. But think about it. When a, a, the, the very first cry of a baby is a pitiful thing. So my son came out covered in his own afterbirth, literally not able to see, not able even to lift up his own head, not naked, not clothed, hungry, scared, alone, discombobulated, not knowing what's going on. And all he can do is just this, this crazy sounding cry. He doesn't even know what he needs, but he knows he needs something, a lot of things, everything maybe. Something has changed, and he needs help. And objectively speaking, the cry of a newborn baby is pitiful and almost icky. But from the point of view of a parent, from the father, I praised God in that moment that he could create such a beautiful sound. Why? Because that's my son doing what he needs to do. And I, I, I me and, and his mother were drawn to help him. We were consumed with, with, with the desire to help him. And in, in so many ways, that consumption has continued to this day. So do you have maybe the, the, the creative, humble thinking in faith to believe that when you come to God in all of your weakness, crying out to him for help, that, you, that God, your father, treats you the same way. He, he doesn't say, ooh, that's, that's not the best way to say that. If you come to God crying out for help, for mercy, it, he loves to help you. He loves to help you. And in fact, Jesus came as the ultimate expression that God loves to help you. And if we're going to see revival in our cities, in our communities, in our towns, it's going to be a lot of people coming to God in that way. And when they do, our response can't be, that's not the right way to talk to God. Our response has to be, that's beautiful. Yes, let me, let me help you. Let me help you. And maybe we can even learn from them how valuable it is to come to God in that way. That's seeing through your blindness. Thirdly, we need to be seen in your blindness. And, and this is really when the scene turns. Uh, because Bartimaeus up to this point is the only one in the crowd who can see Jesus. But to be seen in your blindness, as Jesus takes sort of uh, the, the, the center stage along with Bartimaeus halfway through the passage, we see that Jesus is also the only one in the crowd who sees Bartimaeus for who he truly is. There's a magnitude in Jesus' actions. You see, Jesus, again, he's going to Jerusalem to do the most important thing that anyone has ever done, and he's carried along by the energy of this crowd. But when he hears Bartimaeus, he stops. Isn't that significant? Jesus stops. Now, uh, when he stopped, put yourself in Bartimaeus' shoes. Uh, it, It must have only been a moment or two. Um, but when he stopped, it must have felt like an eternity in a lot of ways, 
Because when Jesus stopped, I think the indication is the crowd also paused as well. Like, what's going to happen? And Bar- as Bartimaeus, you're blind. You, don't, you haven't seen it. You don't know what's happening. You're thinking, was it something that I said? And the scene goes silent and still. The flurry of activity is gone. And then finally, a voice breaks the darkness. And as Bartimaeus, you hear that voice, firm yet gentle. It's the voice of Jesus saying, call him. Jesus has heard your cries for help. And he has stopped what he was doing to make space, make time for you, and he calls you to come to him. This action from Jesus, this simple action, it even changes the the disposition of the crowd because they're now saying to Bartimaeus, go to Jesus. And and there's this amazing scene, the climax of it really, where, uh, where Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, fumbles his way eagerly towards the Son of God. And you have the Son of God and the beggar together And in a stroke of pure genius, I love the way Mark tells the story, Jesus asks the exact same question of Bartimaeus that he asked the disciples earlier. He says, what would you like me to do for you? (laughs) You're meant to notice that, by the way. And you are also meant to notice the obvious difference in his answer. Again, gone is any inclination that he is good, that he has anything to offer Jesus. He is only here because of his weakness and his need. He's there even asking for the impossible. He's been blind for a long time. He's assumed for many years probably that he will never ever see again, but he asks Jesus to be able to see. This is amazing. In this moment, I think it's the culmination of his faith that he's shown already, but also he feels seen by Jesus. He's experiencing this space that Jesus has created for him like he's never experienced it before. He's not being ignored anymore. And he wants not just to see, but he wants especially to see the one who has shown him grace. And so he says, let me recover my sight. Jesus I want to see, because I want to see you. You know, I think Bartimaeus, he's never been more alive than he is right now. What an exhilarating moment. of uh, An expression of true humanity. Gone is the shame or concern about what the crowd might think. He's, he's, he's given life by the presence of Jesus. It's amazing. I think even if Jesus didn't heal him of his blindness, this would still be the most transformative moment of Bartimaeus' life because he is fully alive in the presence of Jesus. And you and I come alive when we see Jesus like this. When we come to him in our sin and we say, I'm a sinner, forgive me. I'm in pain, comfort me. I'm lonely, be with me. And when that's all we come to Jesus with, we experience uh, a, a transformative grace, regardless of circumstances. And, and I think a, an important and simple question for us is what keeps us from that kind of faith, from that kind of experience even? Because we're, we're tempted to think that what keeps us from Jesus in that way is our weakness. We don't have a faith that's strong enough to to come to Jesus like that, but that's not true. 
If anything, it's, be, it's that we're too strong. The reason why Bartimaeus had a transformative experience of faith is because he is weak. If you come in your weakness, Jesus shows you his grace. He sees you. He loves you. And he's eager to give you what you need. And, 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 and so we should never cover up our weakness before God. He's most interested in the parts of us that are broken and, and need help. And, and, and finally, that leads us to the, to the fourth point this morning, walking in the light. It's what happens when we've seen our blindness, we see through it to Jesus, we've been seen by him. We walk in the light. There's always this opportunity. Uh, of course, Bartimaeus was healed from his blindness, um, and in typical gospel writer fashion, we're spared the details. It's just that he was healed. <laughs> and um, we, we would love to know the mechanics of how that worked, but we're not told. We are told, though, a couple very important things. Maybe you caught this as we were reading it. That Jesus told him, go your way, your faith has made you well. He says, your faith has made you well, which is a a recognition, an affirmation of his faith. He says that often when he heals someone, but he says, go your way, which is really interesting, isn't it? He's giving Bartimaeus the choice. What are you going to do with this new sight that you have? And immediately, Bartimaeus recovered his sight, and then what followed him on the way? Now, Bartimaeus, the second he received sight, he had a decision to make. Am I going to go back to my old way of life? Well, why would he do that? His old way of life, begging at the side of the road, is obsolete now. He can see. So what is he going to do? The the, the sense we get from many of the other healings in the Gospels is that the person who is healed is thankful for what Jesus did for them, but then kind of goes back or finds another way of life. Almost like they're saying, hey, Jesus, thanks for my new arm, for my, for my legs that work again, for my sight, for, uh, for, for what you've done for me, um, and, you know, go your way, I'll go my way, this has been great. But Bartimaeus says, no, how could I do that? I have seen, but not just what I, not just the things around me that, that I can see now, it's the person that I have seen. Jesus has shown me himself. And now all I want to do is ever to see him again. So he promptly gets behind Jesus in the crowd and follows him on the way to Jerusalem. This is amazing. I think it's the ultimate affirmation by the gospel writer of Bartimaeus's faith. But, but, but there's even more to it than that. Maybe maybe you didn't know this, but Bartimaeus is the only person healed by Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, who is named. He's the only person that we know the name of. We are meant to know his name. But not just us. The, the people in the first century, when Christianity was first spreading, were meant to know Bartimaeus' name so that they could actually go to Bartimaeus and talk to him and say, hey, Bartimaeus, I, I read about you. This is amazing. Tell me the story. And imagine what it would have been like to hear Bartimaeus tell this story. From the moment his eyes could see, do you think he must have treasured every single thing that he saw? 
And if it is true, and it is, that he got up and followed Jesus into Jerusalem, think of the things that he saw with fresh eyes. He saw Jesus entering triumphantly. He saw Jesus in the temple. He saw Jesus betrayed, tortured, crucified, dead. Now, that must have been shocking for him. But in in time, by faith, he came to see that what Jesus was doing there was the ultimate expression for the world of what he did for Bartimaeus just a few days earlier. And when Bartimaeus first heard the reports of Jesus rising from the dead, I imagine he was one of the first people to run and find eyewitnesses to confirm the, the truth that Jesus rose from the dead. You see, Bartimaeus is, is a perfect example for us of what faith looks like. Because what God did in Bartimaeus is he took the utmost weakness that the whole world had ridiculed and thought less of, transformed it in Christ through his faith into sight that allowed him to become a witness for Jesus. And and, and by grace, Bartimaeus lived out his days as a faithful follower of this one who gave him eyes to see. And and if we could talk to Bartimaeus today, wouldn't it be great to hear the story from him? But I think, just in closing, what he would say is, none of that would have ever happened if I hadn't seen my blindness. None of that would have ever happened if I hadn't seen through it to see Jesus, the Savior, the one from whom I can receive the mercy of God. And by God's grace, He saw me and stopped and came to me and helped me and saved me and invited me to come and walk with Him. And I've been doing that ever since. And So wherever you are in, in that process, in that journey, I mean, in many ways, the Christian life is just that recycling itself and going over and over and doing it again and again. Uh, my prayer for us this morning is that we would see Jesus as the one who can give us mercy and help for wherever we have need. Amen. Let's pray. Our God, uh, you give sight to the blind, so would you give us sight this morning? Um, we, need, we need nothing more and nothing um, more urgently than to see and believe Jesus, the one that you have sent. Thank you that he came. Thank you that he is ours by faith this morning. So help us as we transition into the Lord's Supper now to see him, uh, to know him, to love him, to have an experience with him where we are trusting in him. And not as strong Uh, powerful, great people, but as weak, sinful, needy people. Thank you that he came for people like us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.